Amen. You know, I'm thinking about that song. I think about where he says, King of glory, fill this place. I'm not thinking about a building. I'm thinking about my heart, my life. Because I want to tell you something. When God fills this place, when he fills us, you can live your life every day with power, with meaning, with purpose. I'm reminded of a verse that says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Listen, we don't do this thing alone, folks. We have God's power, his glory. It lives in us. God, just fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, God. We need you every day. God, we need you tomorrow. We need you Monday. We need you at work. We need you in our marriage. God, we need you. Fill us, Lord, with that power that you have already displayed in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome all of our campuses. So good to have all of you with us today. Hey, we have a special guest speaker. We've actually had him before. His name is Scott Williams. He's an author. He's actually a consultant for businesses and churches. Uh, he speaks around our nation and literally globally, and we're excited to have Scott Williams with us. Scott, give him a big hand. Scott comes up. Love you, man. All right, all right. Let's go ahead and start this thing off right. If you guys know that God is good all the time, let me hear you make some noise. All right, I like you guys. You guys are going to be the good crowd. Let's start it by welcoming everybody. Join us literally all around the world online. I know we got all of our campuses join us. We got Lando Lakes in the house. We got Temple Terrace. We got Ebor. We got Carrollwood. We got South Tampa. I mean, we got the new Clearwater camp. Let's just give it up for everybody. Join us all over. I mean, you guys have added several campuses since I came here last time. This is crazy. This place is just growing. It's awesome. I love your church. I love your pastor. And I just want to let you guys know, like, off the bat, like, I just drank one of those little bang energy shots. And so, like, like I'm, I'm not on drugs, I promise. But I, uh, but I will have a little bit of extra energy today. But, man, just a little bit about me. As your pastor said, Scott Williams, I bring you greetings from the great state of Oklahoma, the city of Oklahoma City. And when I left Oklahoma City, like, literally, like, it was like, it was snowing, and so I'm just, it's good to be here in Tampa. I'm excited, and, and so for those of you guys, that, how many of you guys are on Instagram? Instagram, some of you guys, if you are, like I'm Scott OKC on Instagram. That has nothing to do with my message, but anyway. Um, but I, I, I'm really excited to be able to share God's word. A little bit about me, uh, we, have, we have two kids, our two sons there. We have one that just graduated from college. Uh, his name is uh, Wesley, Scott Wesley Williams Jr., and he actually will be going into uh, dental school, and that's our picture of Wesley. See right there. He'll be going into dental school in June at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, it's something to clap about. I know what y'all saying. How in the world is he old enough to, to have a, a, you know, a kid that's in college? You know, what they say is black don't crack. But, uh, so he's awesome, excited for Wesley. I, I hope he goes into like, you know, like does cosmetic dentistry because when he gets finished in four or five years, I want some of those veneers, you know what I'm saying? Because the big, uh, smiley, shiny, kind of horse looking, big old teeth. I'm good. As long as they're free, I'm excited about that. And then our youngest son is Jaden, and Jaden is a, uh, he's a freshman at, uh, Missouri Western. He plays college football. So that's our youngest son, Jaden. And so again, like, man, I love my kids, love my boys. It's awesome. And, and I love coming to preach in Florida. And one thing about like, I, I do preaching and consulting literally like all around the world. So I work with, with corporations. I do everything from corporate keynotes to sitting with leaders and being able to help them walk through whatever they're going through. And one thing I love about coaching and consulting is this, is I come in with a group of leaders or an organization or a team, and I look at where they are and look at where they are. Then we point to where they want to be. 
And then we walk alongside of them to help them to get to where they want to be. It's just that simple. And for those of you guys that are, that are logging on for all of our locations, those of you guys who are in here today, you're walking in here today one way. And then what God is going to do, he's going to take this word. He's going to take his word. He's going to put it inside of you. And then you're going to walk through here one way. You're going to walk out these doors different than when you walked in. That's the goal. And like I said, whenever I'm out preaching, I hear different people say different things and get to see so many different cultures, so many things. I remember one time, like I was preaching in a location. I had preached there probably like three or four times. And one time I got off the stage and a, and a senior pastor, he pulled me to the side. He's like, he's like, Scott, I just need to tell you something. He's like, You're, you remind me of like a young Billy Graham, like repackaged. And so for, by a show of hands, how many of you guys know who Billy Graham is? All right. Almost everybody. If you don't, young people just Google him on up. You know what I'm saying? So, so Billy Graham was like the evangelist of all evangelists. Billy Graham, like, like he literally sold out Madison Square Garden 16 weeks in a row. It's unheard of. Like the work that he did was absolutely amazing. And so again, I always knew who Dr. Graham was. There was something about when this pastor spoke that over me that I just started like diving in and, and learning a little bit more about his life and his ministry and the things that he did. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And there's so many great and amazing stories about Billy Graham. And one of the stories I remember like towards the latter part of his ministry, the story he actually did a crusade and he was here on the east side, east coast of Florida, right? So he's on the east coast of Florida and he finished doing his crusade and he was very like diligent about how he liked things, about how he wanted things organized, about his trip and his ride to the airport. Like Billy Graham, he had things, he'd been doing it for a really long time in a really particular way. And so he actually was finishing the crusade and his limo driver was scheduled to pick him up the next day. And so several hours before he was supposed to be at the airport, limo driver pulls up. And, and so what he tell, he goes to the limo driver, he says, look, he says, like, I've done lots of things in my ministry and in my life. But the one thing that I've never done is I've never driven a limo. And so the limo driver is looking at him like, what does that have to do with me, right? And so he said, I, can I, could I drive the limo? And the limo driver's like, no, Billy Graham, like, you can't drive limo. And he said that Dr. Graham persisted. And so he said, okay. So he literally, so he, Billy Graham gets in the front seat to drive the limo. The limo driver jumps in the back. So he jumps in the back and he says that, the story goes that, that they jumped up on I-95, right? So they're on I-95 and he said, Billy Graham punched it, right? And so they're on I-95 and Billy Graham is going literally 95. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're flying on the highway. And he said he's driving, he's just kind of sitting there in the back and then before he knew it, he saw some lights behind him. And he looks, he's like, they're getting pulled over by a state trooper. So they're on I-95. They're getting pulled over by a state trooper. And so the state trooper comes up to the car and he looks and he says, can I see your license and registration? And he looked and he realized it was Billy Graham. He said, oh, no, no, sir. Hold on a second. He said, no, no, sir. I was speeding. Like, I was speeding. Here's my license and, and insurance. He's like, no, sir. Just hold on one second. So the officer leaves and goes back to his car and he calls dispatch. And he says, I need to speak to a supervisor. He's like, why? He's like, I have a very important person pulled over. So they get the lieutenant on. He's like, sir, I have, a, I have a very important person that's pulled over. And they were going more than 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. And so I just need to know what, what can I do or what, what would you like for me to do? And he's like, like, who is it? He's like, it's a very important person. He said, is it Governor Jeb Bush? He's like, no, sir. He's more important than Governor Jeb Bush. He says, is it President George W. Bush? He's like, 
no, sir, more important than, than George W. But she's like, well, if it's not them, then who is it? He said, I don't know, but I think it's Jesus because Billy Graham is his driver. <laughs> All that to say, we're going to talk about Jesus today, right? <laughs> and so, like, that story just really just reminds me of, like, could you imagine, like, that you're the one that gets the opportunity to sit with Jesus? And this message today is really going to speak to that as we're going to look in Mark's gospel again. One thing about Mark's gospel is it's a, it's a little bit different. It's the shortest gospel and it's written to the Gentiles. It's a time they're, they're living in the context of the Roman Empire when they're under you know, persecution and challenge. And so it's written in, in that context. And when this has happened, like the Roman Empire and all this is going on, like you don't need the lengthy words of Luke, the physician. You don't need the words of Matthew. What you need is the short and keep it 100 words of Marky Mark. And what Mark likes to do is he likes to keep it pithy, he likes to keep it short, and he likes to keep it 100. So we're going to look at, at Mark's words. And so again, Mark's the evangelist, and, and this is the time when when you think about it, when Jesus had been doing his ministry, and, and if I look in the text and what it says is like, you know, like he, he's with his disciples and he's calling out these impure spirits. And again, it's Peter's mother-in-law's house and he, and he cast out you know, demons and he, he reduced fevers and disease and leprosy. So Jesus' ministry, like we can just say it's on and popping. Translation, it's going really well. And so his ministry is going really well. People see his ministry is going really well. And you guys know what happens when you hear about something's going really good, like people start coming out the woodwork because they want to see what's going on. And so again, people, the crowds are getting bigger and people are just coming because they wanted to get close to Jesus. And, and again, so they're, they're out in these, these variety of different villages and the, G, the journey continues and traveling on this north, like fishing village in the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know if you guys have ever got a chance to see the Sea of Galilee, but like I got a chance to go on a, a trip to Israel. I took about 40 young ministry leaders from around the country. And when you go, if you've never gone, if your church ever has a trip, just I encourage you to do so. It's like you see the Bible in 3D. And it's like amazing when you see these images and, and, and there's some footage of like when we were there and what we were seeing and being able to, to preach God's word and be able to see the, the house that Peter lived in and see the, the steps where Jesus walked and, and to be able to see the Sea of Galilee. Again, it's like the Bible is in 3D. It's absolutely amazing. If you've never done it, I encourage you to do so. I was able to go there and I was able to get baptized in the Jordan River. And it's all these moments that you hear about and you read about in Scripture, they were able to come in real life. And so I'm thinking about, that's what we're going to pick up in this story. We're going to look at, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, it'd also be online if you don't. We're going to look at Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this in its entirety, then I'll come back and we'll unpack it a few verses at a time. Is it okay we just preach God's Word today? Come on, I heard you guys are going to help me preach this up. I ask a question, that means you need to, to respond back. Is it okay that we just preach God's word today? Uh, that's a little bit better. Y'all louding that at a raise game. One more time. Is it okay that we just preach God's word today? Much better. Here's what the Bible says, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again returned to Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. 
Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there. They were thinking to themselves, why does this, this, this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. You see, when, when I think about this, like we can literally close our Bibles. We can put down our smartphone. For those of you guys that are online in all of our locations, you can log off right now. You can leave. And that's really everything that we need to hear. But I truly believe that if you will open your spiritual eyes and you'll open your spiritual ears, that those of you from the front to the back and of all of our locations, that, that God is, has something uniquely that he wants to speak to you today. But you got to be prepared. You got to be willing to listen. And I, I'm sitting there thinking about, like, what is this message about? What is this scripture about? I'm going to tell you, it's about proximity. It's about being close to Jesus. You've heard about this man on the mat. And so the title of today's message is The Power of proximity. As a matter of fact, turn around to your neighbor right now and say the power of proximity. I want you to turn around to your other neighbor, the one that was your second choice. Turn around to your second choice and say the power of proximity. And so we're going to talk about the power of proximity because the closer you are to things, it really matters. Again, like I showed pictures of my sons earlier and like my sons, like they were really big into sports and like they, you know, they used to run track and like the junior Olympics and my youngest through the shot put won a national championship. My, my oldest, you know, powerlifting won the national championship. Like they were always into sports. And I remember like early on in their sports careers, like we live in the suburbs and, and like they were winning everything. And so we, we decided that we wanted to, to get them in proximity and closer to people that were competing a little bit more. So we put them in a league in the hood and all of a sudden, they weren't winning everything anymore. I'm just saying. Like, so we, we, we put them in because we wanted to make sure they were around people that could elevate their game. And the same is true for you in, in your situation, in, in, in your career, in your job, in your marriage, in your relationship. If you're always the smartest person in the room, if you always have the best situation going on in the room, then you need to find yourself in a new room. Because when you surround yourself with different people and you get in proximity to different people, that you begin to expand and you begin to grow. It's kind of like we went with these sports. Like I just grabbed some medals before I left. And so what, what is this right here called? What is this called? It's a, a metal detector. You notice that we got it spelled metal, like M-E-D-A-L. Because what we want to do is we want to make sure that we can detect people that are winning. We want to make sure that we can detect situations that are winning. And so that's what this metal detector does. Like you get close to it, it beeps. And some of you guys, you're running around and you're wondering why your situation isn't working. You know why? Because you're not in proximity to the right people. As a matter of fact, the first thing that you want to do, you can clap for that. You can go ahead and clap for that. 
So the first thing, if you're taking notes, we got three keys to unlock the power of proximity. The first one is this. You got to be in proximity to the right people. Everybody say right people. Come on, you can do better than that, Tipple Terrors. Everybody say right people. Verse one, here's what it says again. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. It says they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And the Bible says he did what? He preached the word to them, and some men, we talk about these people, came bringing him a paralyzed man. I mean, think about that. Came bringing him a paralyzed man. Like, like that's important because like, he had the right people because we don't know like what the situation was. The paralyzed man was like, yo, man, like I'm just sitting here on this mat. I'm always going to be paralyzed. Or you know what, man? I got a divorce. Like I'm always going to be in this situation. I'm not going to ever find anybody. Or you know what? My family, they're all drug users. So I'm always going to be addicted to drugs. Like, and so, but, but we, we do know, we don't know if that was a situation or his four friends like, yo, man, let, let's get you to church, man. Like, I know you hadn't been to church since the pandemic. You've been watching online. Let, let's get you here. Let's get you in front of Jesus. And that's who you guys need to be to other people. You got to be in proximity to the right people. I mean, I, I, again, when you're, we think about this paralyzed man, he was almost in prison. As a matter of fact, for those of you guys that maybe knew or you weren't here the last time that I preached, that's a little bit of my story. I haven't always been a preacher. I haven't always been a consultant doing X, Y, Z. As a matter of fact, I spent a large number of my adult years in the prison system. 12 years, 22 days, and eight hours to be exact. Eight by 10 cell, razor wire, bad food, prison. I was a warden in the prison system. You guys can breathe. Man, if you see the looks on some of y'all's faces, I got people logging off online, you know, like, what's going on? Front row, he looked at me like... Yeah, it's all good. But, but true story, at the age of 25, I was one of the youngest prison wardens in the country. And I didn't know at that time that God was going to use my time as a prison warden to prepare me for ministry. And it wasn't until I went into full-time ministry, I learned there's a lot of similarities between leading a prison and leading a church. Can I get an amen, pastor? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, the, the biggest difference between the prison and the church is that we, we get to go home and we didn't get called. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> And so, like, I remember when I was in, you know, I did that for a number of years, and I've been out of the, kind of the system for a number of years, but I, it was about a year, a little over a year ago, the governor of our state, he came to me and asked me if I'd consider sitting on our pardon and parole board in the state of Oklahoma. And what the pardon and parole board does, it's the board that, you know, decides if someone gets paroled, if they get released early, if their sentence is commuted to a lesser sentence, or if they're pardoned and everything is kind of, you know, expunged off of their record. And so every state has one constitutionally, and so... I agreed to it, and we see a number of different offenders and inmates that come in front of us every single, every single month. And I remember I'd been on for a few months, and one of the guys that came in front of us, and this is in a public meeting, so I'm not sharing anything that's like private, but we'll just call him Lou. And this inmate's name was Lou, and Lou comes in front of us, and Lou had spent 34 years in the prison system. And, and Lou, it was amazing, like just kind of hearing his story. Again, he'd been in prison since like 1987, and what Lou said, he's like, what I learned is that when I was out on the streets, like the thing that always got me in trouble, it always, I, I made the decisions, but it was always about the people that I was in close proximity to. It was always about my friends. You always hear somebody say, I was hanging with these people. As a matter of fact, I want you to think about that time when you were making some of the worst decisions of your life. Think about the people that you were hanging with. 
It, and the young people, when mom and dad tell you, like, you don't need to hang with them, they're not just being mean. They know something. They've been through something. They've seen something. Because I'm telling you, proximity to the right people, it, it, it matters. And so that's what happened. If you think about this man, and, and, and so Lou said, you know, even since I've been in prison, because I can still get in trouble, I can still get drugs, I can still fight. He said, I had to get in here and decide, you know what, no matter how long I'm in here, I got to make sure that I'm hanging around the right people. So I'm here to tell you, friends, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're going through, but you need to make sure that you're hanging with the right people. And if you think about this man, like they, they called him the paralyzed man. They didn't even give him a name. You know, matter of fact, matter of fact we're going to go ahead and give him a name. He was on a mat, so we're going to name him Matt. That's right. So you got Matt that was on the mat, right? And so, but you guys laugh at the paralyzed man, but that's what happens. If your condition persists for long enough, you'll begin to be labeled by your condition rather than your name. You'll be called, you know, Susie, who's always going to be promiscuous. John, who's, a, who's addicted to drugs. Sally, who's been divorced. Joe, who's just, just going to be a loser. You fill in the blank, you know, so-and-so anxiety, depression, people-pleasing. Fill it in. Like, the question for you is, what is your mat? Because we know that's what his mat is. It was... He had, a, he had palsy, but we also know that he had questions and, and he didn't know what to do. And he had some good friends that decided to help him out. And I like to call these people the core four. And so my question for you today is, who are your core four? Who are those four people that no matter what the situation is, they're going to say, yo, you need to snap out of it. Yo, man, God created you for more. Yo, you know he's not, what, he's not what's good for you. Quit settling. No, you know you can spend your money better than that. No, quit comparing your ordinary life to their highlight reels on social media. Who are your core four? And more importantly, who are you part of the core four? Like, what are the people that you're helping? So again, second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. It's proximity to the right places. Everybody say right places. Right places. So the, the, the place that we're looking at during this time in Scripture, the house, the structure, like... If you look at it, it was like the houses were made of like, imagine like mud and trees and they would build like the, like almost like more of like a, a deck. And so it'd be a flat roof, but it'd have all this thatch and they put everything together. It'd almost be like what they have in Florida here. It's almost like a, you know, I don't know, like a stucco type house. That's what the structure would look like. But imagine it being like a deck and then on the back, there'd be like a ladder that you could get up and access it. So that's kind of what the structure was like. And so that's the place that we're looking at in the time we're looking at in scripture. So again, there's a big crowd there. And let's pick up in verse four. So again, they're carrying him on this, imagine like a gurney. That kind of help you get understand what this mat is. Verse four. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. They were doing what? How did they get through there? They were digging. One more time, they were doing what? Digging. They were digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there and thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, so if you think about it, like if you, I, I encourage you to read the, this story in all of the gospels. And one of the things that, and I'm not hating on Matthew, but the one of the things that Matthew does in this story, like he leaves out the part about them digging through the roof. 
And I, again, I think that's really important because like what happens is, especially in the time and generation that we live in, like we have a generation of young people that want what mom and dad have as soon as they graduate from college. And they don't understand that mom and dad did some digging for a lot of years to be able to get where they are. And I'm here to tell you like, like, like the digging part is important. Some of you guys go on social media and you see what so-and-so is doing and how so-and-so is successful, but you don't understand the digging process. I mean, like some people like worry so much about the destination that, that they overlook the process. The people that enjoy the process will appreciate the destination a whole lot more than those who are focused on the destination. And so they were digging. They were digging down. And that's why I encourage you, like you got to understand, like sometimes you got to, you got to just keep digging. And if you think about this house, like some scholars say that you know, that, that it was uh, Peter's house. And some say that's kind of where Jesus set up camp. And so you think about it, like, imagine how this is going on. Like Jesus is doing his thing, he's ministering, he's healing people, all this stuff is happening. The crowd is packed. You know what I'm saying? You can't even get in the house. Like the house is, that's where the house is packed came from, that phrase anyway. But like, but like so the house is packed and they're going in through the top. And Peter, you imagine Peter like, yo, man, y'all better get up off my roof. You know, I will cut somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, so they're sitting there, and they do everything they could, start digging through the roof to be able to drop him in. But one, one thing I love about this text is it says that, that, that Jesus knew what they were thinking. And we talk about places, guys. The places that you're at matter. I mean, you're here in church today, so you're in the right place. You're logging online. You're in the right place. Some of you guys online, it's time for you to come to the house of God. Like, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pandemic, the same pandemic is at the grocery stores, at your kids' games. Get to the house of God because places matter. <laughs> places matter. You think about these thoughts. Like, you got to capture every thought and make it captive and obedient to Jesus. I don't know what those negative thoughts you, you have are. I mean, some of you guys, you're falling to the enemy's same old tricks. The only thing he can do is to whisper some negativity in your ear and you're falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. You gotta learn to capture those thoughts, say, no, I'm gonna take this to make it obedient to Christ. You're not good enough. Why are you going to that church? You're never gonna do this. You're never gonna do that. Oh, this and that and this and that. You're always gonna be paralyzed. You're always gonna be stuck on that mat. What he's trying to tell you is that when you get in the right places, things begin to shift. And this is when we get to the, the last thing. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down is proximity to the right things. Everybody say right things. This is when somebody will come play on the keys behind me to make me sound more spiritual. And this is when the preachers say, as I close. Uh, long hair, don't care. I see you. For those of you guys online, his hair is longer than mine. So whatever, just for the record. Last thing, rewind. And last thing is... Um, Proximity to the right what? The right things. Everybody say right things. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you. Verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. Right now, Jesus knows what you're thinking in your hearts. Some of you guys, that's a real challenging statement. But we, I mean, this, is, this isn't me talking. Like, I just want you to know that. Those negative thoughts you have, yes, he knows them. Those inappropriate thoughts you have, yes, 
He knows them, but what he wants to remind you today, if you will just capture those thoughts, those negative thoughts, make them captive and obedient to him, you can shift it. And here's what the Bible says. And he said to them, saying to you, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, he took up his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. In other words, like once he said, yo, I got this. All my haters, everybody, I'm here to put you on notice that God's got me. I can care less what you think. And he walked out in front of them all. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to walk out and say, look, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think because I know what God says about me. I know what God thinks about me. He walked out in full view of them all. That's kind of that caught. Yeah, like, what's up? What? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Matter of fact, some of you guys, that's how you're going to walk into your office on Monday. Yeah, what up? Yeah, what up? Yeah, no, yeah. Some of you guys, that's how you're going to walk out of that no good boyfriend's life. You got, yeah, yeah. That ain't me no more. I don't know what it is, but this is what the text is reminding you in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And so when we talk about, and I look at this text, like we're talking about proximity to the things of Jesus. What are the things of Jesus that you need to get close to? I told you earlier, you got to come to church. You got to read his word. You got to make sure that you're praying. You got to make sure that you're fasting. You got to make sure that you're honoring God. You got to make sure that you're spending time on your knees praying to God. You got to make sure that you're capturing those thoughts. What are the things of Jesus you got to make sure that you're not substituting what the world is saying that you should do. And you're filling it with the things that you know God tells you to do. You know, you have that thing in, in your spirit and sometimes you're like, man, something told me I shouldn't have done that. Or something told me I should have done that. That's the Holy Spirit trying to make sure that you're pointing and you're in proximity to the things of Jesus. Because some of you are sitting there like, well, Pastor Scott, you don't understand my situation. We've been trying to get pregnant for over a year, but no positive pregnancies. My mom has stage four cancer. But my, my finances, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I'm trying to find a godly man or a godly woman. I'm doing everything right. My son or daughter has run from the Lord. I get anxiety and I don't even know why, but I got all these stories that are going over and over and over and over in my head. But I don't see any doors opening. It's almost like when you go to a store and they have those motion activated doors. What that thing is called, it's called a proximity sensor. And the way the door opens is this, when you get in proximity to the sensor, the doors open. And some of you are sitting here today, you're watching online, you're at one of our campuses, you're wondering why aren't the doors opening? I'm here to tell you, you're outside of the proximity sensor. You gotta make sure that you're in proximity to the right people, you're in proximity to the right places, and you're in proximity to the right things. And those will be the things of Jesus and you'll begin to see the doors begin to open. You can keep making excuses or you can do 
simply what the text says. And one thing I love about this particular story is this isn't the, the peaceful, the at the feet of the children, Jesus. This is the flipping over the table, Jesus. This is Jesus saying like, oh, you, you trying to tell me I can't do what? You better check my story. You better check my resume and see what I did in the last city that I was in. You better look online and look at my IG story and see all the people that are healing in the last city that I was in. I'm here to tell you, you better go look at my LinkedIn and you better understand and get my resume. I've been healing people. And I'm here to tell you like, when you understand that you can get close to Jesus and everything that happened and can happen for you, things will begin to shift. I don't know what you came in here carrying today, but this man came in, and here's the deal, he was being carried on a mat, but next thing you know, the thing that was carrying him, it says that Jesus told him to take up his mat, and he put that mat over his shoulder, and he was carrying it. Some of you guys came in here carrying some heavy stuff, and you're wondering, how can you break free? I'm here to tell you, you gotta just keep digging. I don't know what you came in with. I don't know what's holding you down. I don't know what's weighing you down. Your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Just keep digging. Your family members don't know Jesus. Just keep digging. You feel far from God. Just keep digging. You're uncertain about everything that's going on in the country, in the world. Just keep digging. You got lots of questions and a whole lot less answers. Just keep digging. You don't know the Bible? Just keep digging. My friends, I don't know what you came in here carrying today, but God sent me a lot of miles to simply come here to tell you that he's got you. He just needs you to just keep digging. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for for your word, God, and for everybody to all of our campuses that are joining right now. And, and as we close, I mean, just in a room this size and so many people watching online at all of our locations, I, I know there's so many people that are sitting there right now. And you're like, man, this word was exactly what I need. I know there's some areas of my life where I'm not, I'm not in the right proximity or close enough to the right people. I, matter of fact, I'm not in, in close proximity to the right places. And more importantly, I want to draw closer to the right things and the things of Jesus. And you say, and say, Pastor Scott, like, man, I just want you to pray for me that I would draw closer to those things and that my life would be different, not only today, but in the weeks and months to come. Keep revealing to me that if I just keep digging, you begin to open up the doors of blessings. All across this room, if that's your prayer, I'd love to just pray for you. Just lift up your hand right now. I just want to pray over you. If those of you say, you know what, God, I, I want things to be different. I, I want to see things different in my life, my family's life. God, I pray for every single person that has their hand lifted up high right now. Hands all over this room. Hands all over the campuses. Hands online. God, I pray for, I pray that they can't do, get through this week, God, without you just revealing yourself and that blessing and breakthrough would be able to happen, God. And as they draw closer to you, God, would you continue to draw closer to them, God? May they experience a blessing breakthrough that they've never seen before, God. May people look at their lives and say, you know what, there's something special about them. I've never seen anything like that. Hands down with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. You know, at all of our locations right now and those that are in this room, well, one thing that breaks my heart that in a room this size is that here's what I know, is that there's so many people that if life were to end today, I know they'd miss heaven by 12 inches. I'm not asking you, like, have you ever sang a Christian song? What they did is they, they have a, a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart acceptance. 
And the scripture told us today is that, that Jesus knows our heart. And many of you guys, you've never truly made that decision to surrender your life to Jesus. But here in a few moments, at all of our locations and right here, you're going to make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And you say, you know what, Pastor Scott, I'm sick and tired of playing the church game, like, like just kicking the, the can down the road. Today's the day that I want to step across that spiritual line. Got something stirring inside of me, and I want to make the most important decision of my entire life. So if you're here today, you say, you know what, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to wash my sins away, and I want you to make me brand new. If that's you and that's your prayer right where you are right now, I want you to raise your hand high right now. Raise it high. Raise it high and keep it up. At all of our locations, just keep your hand up high right now. At all of our locations, I see so many hands. I see you right over there, sir, right here. I know hands are going up online and all of our camps. I see you right there, right here in the front, sir, over here to my right. Over here, young man, welcome to the family of God. In the far back, I see both of you guys together. Welcome to the family of God. Right here, I see both of you together. Generations change because of your decision. Sir, I see you right there. Others of you, his hands are still going up. His hands are still going up. Yeah, we can clap for that. His hands are still going up. Heads still bowed and eyes still closed. All right, here's what we're going to do at all of our locations and everybody online is we're going to pray this prayer out loud together in faith, and then we're going to celebrate the life change that's just happening right here in our presence. Ma'am, wipe those tears away. God has something special for you back there. So I want every single person to repeat this prayer after me saying, Heavenly Father, Come on, you can do better than that. You guys are louder than that at a raise game. I want every single person to repeat this prayer loudly after me saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Today I choose to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit Change me and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, Grace family. Let's give it up for Jesus today. Come on. Come on. You can do better now. Let's just give it up for King Jesus today. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for having me.